You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Bongiorno. Arrivederci. <laughs> That's just for you, Tarantino fans. <gasps> yes, it is. Do you know what I think of now, though, every time I hear or say the word bongiorno? Tell and me. I say it like that. Right. I say it like Brad Pitt in that film. Uh-huh. I think of that meme where it's a picture of that scene and the top of the picture says, when I make pizza rolls in the oven instead of the microwave, <laughs> <laughs> just maybe that bongiorno. <laughs> I think of that every oh, single time without fail. That man. is the picture that populates my brain. I love that. Because that is maximum oh, man. Italione or, yeah, you know, whatever right. that is, you know. So, that's amazing. And then every time... I want pizza rolls because <laughs> I love pizza rolls so much. They're always underrated. Think about how hyped you get. They're still underrated. <laughs> These are still that good. Yep. Oh, do you want to hear about a, a sad tradition I had that I've never told anyone about? <laughs> I really When I do. was at Goodfellow Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. That was where I was for my seven months of uh, intelligence and surveillance training. And I had this tradition. <laughs> it's so pathetic. Where Friday night after, you know, the training week was uh, finished, yeah, I would go to the base exchange, which is basically just the convenience store the of the base. Yeah, yeah. And the mercantile. And I would go buy like a gigantic bag of pizza rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to my dorm room and make half of the bag of pizza rolls and watch a show on Netflix. It's like 24, man. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Wowie. And, uh, that's, um, I did, that was like every week. It was like a little weird ritual that actually sounds kind of nice. Why did I, yeah, like why, why did I do it that way? I don't, I have no uh, idea. I have no idea. So I, would, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Bongiorno. Bongiorno. That's what I think of. So, on a completely unrelated note, well, no, no, no. You know how that's related? Tell because me. I love pizza rolls and I want to unite them with my mouth. Wow. I was curious. Doesn't sound you weird. Pull those together. <laughs> and, and that's the route you chose. So. Yeah, it really doesn't work actually at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Mm, you no. like that little <laughs> Thank you. That's just for you, Jim. <laughs> You're listening to the podcast. So, recently, if you were a. Uh, Horizons Church uh, attendee, which most of you listening, I don't know that anyone in particular listening to the podcast isn't. Maybe there are some out there who I'm not aware of that are. Point being, I recently was preaching on Christ's fourth saying from the cross, Mm. which you may know is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Which is arguably the most haunting and unfathomable moment in scripture, uh, because you have Jesus here in some sense forsaken by his father right? Yet in talking about this, I did very specifically, and I went back and listened again just to make sure that I wasn't (laughs) lying when I'm about to say what I say, but I very specifically said that Jesus, in his humanity, his human nature, Mm -hmm. experienced this sort of abandonment in his humanity, in his human nature, which led to some questions. Not not a lot, but, you know, just some people, you know, just a a curious question here or there. Um, Well, yeah, namely being, can we actually say something like that as faithful Christians? Like, Can we say Jesus was actually, in some sense, abandoned Hmm. by his father? How can that be? Well, my answer to that is, we can say that if we have a right view of what's called the hypostatic union. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Right, right, right. I hate myself for asking this. 
But um, is that something like the hypostatic shock you get from the hypostatic shag carpet when you touch <laughs> the hypostatic <laughs> doorknob? <laughs> <laughs> this is my entry level of understanding, man. <laughs> hypostatic shock. You get from the hypostatic. <laughs> yep. I like how you specifically mentioned shag carpet <laughs> because now I see tall brown shag carpet that you can like oh. like you could get like I feel like you, can you could almost mistake it for grass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the shag carpet is going to grow. You know what I mean? Yes. And you don't need a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you need a push mower. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, as much as that might be a thing. Am I off? Am I off base? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> the term <laughs> Just steamroll right over that. Okay, I see. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This moment of... <laughs> oh, we have fun here occasionally. <laughs> No, the term hypostatic union, not referring to the union of electricity <laughs> to shag carpet. Theologically speaking, it was coined from the Greek word hypostasis, which we could roughly understand as referring to individual existence, right? So okay. individual so existence. So we, do we, we experience hypostasis? Uh, we do experience a form of, yeah, like we, we exist. So okay. like we have an essence. So okay. that's like the philosophical way of saying it. In a manner of speaking. <laughs> um, so, again, theologically, when we're talking about the hypostatic union, we're referring to the truth that Jesus was a composite person, as Aquinas would say. It. That was mm. the term he would use. He would say Christ is a composite person. kind of like that. Yeah, with both a human and divine nature, mm. both. Or to put it in terms we might be more familiar with, we often take great pains as Christians to say that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Yeah, this, I'm familiar with this. Yes, yes. That's the hypostatic union. Okay. Now, the problem is, is that if you really think about that for very long, it can quickly become puzzling. If you think about it long, it can quickly become puzzling. I understand how that's <laughs> paradoxical too, but it's true. For example, God cannot die, right? Like God in himself mm. cannot die. Right. In his divine essence, he is the fullness of life. He is his existence and therefore he cannot die. Yet, mm. Jesus Christ really did die. Mm, right. And Jesus is not just fully man. Uh -huh. He is also fully God. So what's going on there? <laughs> uh, or to take the example straight from my sermon, Jesus asked why he had been forsaken by God. Yeah, it's not as if God can forsake a God, right? right? Like you can't, like God can't be like, well, I'm leaving myself. I, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to be with me. I'm not going to be myself. Like that just doesn't work. Right. So how can Jesus make that cry? Hmm. How does Jesus die? How do we explain these things? Because hmm. the hypostatic union tells us like what's going on. It's not necessarily at a first glance anyway, telling us how. Yeah. It, well, it's amazing how two minutes ago I was familiar. I was... <laughs> I was tracking, and now I don't think I could explain this particularly well, aside from saying, like, fully God, fully man, bye. Like, that's... <laughs> Zooming away. <laughs> yeah, see you tomorrow. I, I don't understand. Well, this is why the formulation of the hypostatic union is so important. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is curious about this and you want to read more about it, question mark, sure. um, you know, you might. I would refer you to the Chalcedonian Creed, and I would refer you to anything Thomas Aquinas has written on oh, the okay. incarnation of the hypostatic union. Because what we're saying 
with this term is that Christ, again, is one person with two natures. Mm -hmm. He has a divine nature and a human nature. (laughs) Again, let me just clarify all this. Any of the language we use to talk about like things like this or the Trinity, you have to be careful because it's not just that your language can fall short, which it always will. Always will. If you're not careful, it can just mislead too. So I just... Anyone's listening. A qualifier that we yeah. should have put at the beginning. I could have put that right at the top, <laughs> right at the beginning, but I didn't because I'm an idiot. So, like, uh, for example, I am one person. You are one person. Yes. We have one nature, me and you. Like, I have one nature. Let me put it that way. I have a human nature. You have a human nature. That's it for right. us. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's not true of Christ. Okay, right. He has a fully human nature mm-hmm. and a fully divine nature. Right. So to borrow from Aquinas again, we're not talking about a union in natures. We're talking about a union in person. Mm, Once again, two minutes ago, I was there. (laughs) Less so now. (laughs) This whole podcast could just be subtitled confusion. (laughs) Coming out of here, understanding less than I thought I did when we began. I got your example though. I'm I'm still there. No. So in other words, the divine nature and the human nature don't become mixed or mingled in the person of Christ. So are we saying that it's a union of these two separate natures within the single vessel? Yeah, basically that's that's probably a very helpful way to think about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. None of my alarm bells are ringing when you say that. I'm like, I'm really like, I'm going through this and I'm like, oh man, no, like hyper alarm bells. Oh no, what am I going to do? But yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's a helpful way of thinking about it. Okay. You have the one person, the one vessel here with the two natures but they're not mixed. Mm. So it's not like, oh, the divine nature combined with the human nature to make some sort of divine human nature. Right. It's a divine nature and a human nature in the one person. Yeah. Christ. So it's not, again, like he's some mix of 50% divinity and 50% humanity. He's 100% divine, 100% human in his person. And part of the reason I'm like, now I'm like, man, I should have like prefaced all of this at the beginning, but there were so many heresies that came up around this issue, especially in the early church. And they've, I mean, in subtle forms, I mean, if you're not thinking about this clearly, they tend to resurface. I'm sure. Know? I mean, if they could think about it then and make those same mistakes, we're hardly uh, beyond that. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, it, it is, I, I often don't like using the term mystery because I think it's overused and, you know, it's, it's just like, like oh, a, we get a write-off. Of, yeah. Yeah. There is a sense in which this is a mystery in that we know that it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that this is who Christ is. It's a mystery in that we don't. I think, and can't fully comprehend the how of all of the dynamics of like how it works. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one day, Lord willing, in the new creation, we we will. That would right. be great. I'd love to understand some of that. <laughs> For example, you've got people who said, well, Jesus really had to die. And I mean, he really had to suffer. And yet, because the divine nature, like, you know, God can't suffer, there's a sense in which, well, like, Jesus wasn't really fully God. Like, he was kind of adopted mm-hmm. into this divine position like dying can't really work if you still have to remain a element God. of the Godhead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you had things like that. You had, you know, of course, Arius who was, you know, saying, like, well, like Jesus was technically like the first and preeminent of God's creations, you know, before anything else oh, was created. Wow. And you just had all kinds of weird things cropping up that, you know. Isn't there one that like he was a specter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he uh, he didn't actually have a body, you know. He was just like, yeah, like he was just kind of here and 
all these things happened and he wasn't really fully human, which comes back to Gnosticism because they thought, you know, like all everything that's material is evil, tainted, stained. Like you can't assume anything material without becoming (laughs) evil or something. Right. Uh, Have you heard about creation? Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this is amazing. God looked and said it is very good. (laughs) Wow. Um, So anyway, that's why, I mean, this is worthy of study and contemplation. Not that you have to become a seminarian or like, you know, devote every hour of your day to be like, I have to, you know, read books on this. But like, as Christians, it's something like is worthy of our contemplation Mm -hmm. because Jesus is worthy of our contemplation and our prayer and our adoration. And of course, something like this does become important. So what the hypostatic union means, in essence, is that Jesus can experience things in his human nature that he, for lack of a better term, cannot experience in his divine nature. Okay. For example, the divine nature cannot suffer harm at the hand of creatures, but Christ's human nature most certainly could and did. So in a way, it's this voluntary vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, like you have Paul saying like in Philippians 2, he emptied himself and humbled himself, took the form of a servant, became obedient to the point of death. Yeah. So you have that language around it. And it wasn't like a specter of him was slapped, scourged, and crucified. Jesus Christ at a particular moment in human history in this world was slapped by a man in Caiaphas's house. He was scourged by Roman soldiers. And I'm just thinking like 40 days in the wilderness doesn't really matter if you're just a projection. Yeah. Like, it's like, like he's, he was never really hungry, right? Yeah, like that means he was never tired. He was never actually thirsty. I mean, mm. all these things that like the author of Hebrews says, you know, Christ is able to sympathize with us. Yeah. And he's a great high priest for that reason. Like, well, because he knows what this is like in his human nature. Consequently, to come back to what I was saying in the sermon, the divine nature could not be forsaken of God because the divine nature is God and cannot cease to be what it is, right? Like, that's just, you know, can't do that. But the human nature could, and it was in some mysterious sense forsaken by God because in his human nature, well, again, as Peter would say, he was bearing our sins in his body on the tree. Right. And in that sense, he was experiencing the wrath of God, Mm -hmm. he was experiencing hell, and that is the place where you are cut off from the loving communion of God. Yeah. So in that sense, in his human nature, he could be. Really turns the dial up to 11. It does. (laughs) It does. But I I mean, that was like the point. It's the only way that like fully God can fully pay the price for our sin. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that is why, I mean, if you really, really have to boil it down, I mean, you could do a million things with it probably. But like, if you really boil it down, what you said is exactly why this concept, as technical and nitpicky as it may seem, is so important Mm. and crucial for us as Christians because we basically don't have have a savior if we don't have this. Right. Because at the end of the day, God promised he would save his people from their sins, yet only an eternal person can pay <laughs> the eternal penalty for sin, right? Yeah. Like those are correspondent, but the eternal one can't die. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you have this quandary and that's what gets solved, so to speak, in the incarnation. We have to have a savior who is both fully God so that he can pay the eternal penalty and who is fully man so that he can truly die in order to pay that penalty. Not like so he can halfway die or not yeah. so that he can like, well, I, you know, I did enough to count as like, I mean, he had to die. He had to expire. He had to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and uh, as the old King James would have it give up his ghost right Mm -hmm. that all really happened and without this we as Paul would say are still dead in our sins because Christ wasn't really ever dead and he he never really rose from the dead Mm. and that's what the hypostatic union gives us it gives us divine nature and human nature in one person without mixture or error or mingling as the creeds would have it. So again, yeah, it may seem technical and nitpicky, but that's how we can guard our language around these things. Like how we can say, it would not be appropriate, for instance, I think to say, 
God died on the cross. Like you don't want to, you don't (laughs) want to say that. That's not technically true, but you can say Christ died. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying there is that the man who was both fully man and fully God died. So again, I know that seems like probably like a little nitpicky, but it's also kind of a big central deal. (laughs) It is. And you could say, this is a strong way of putting it, but you had, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said like, how we think about God is the most important thing about who we are as Christians. Mm. The other thing is, is that like the way God has revealed himself to us is important and that we approach him the way he has revealed himself because otherwise you start getting into idolatry and worshiping something that's not God, which comes back to the heresy issues with these things. It's not people just being like, I can't believe you screwed that up and what's wrong with you? Come on. (laughs) Like, it's like, if you're not careful, you go down those roads, you're not worshiping the one true God who has revealed himself in his word, or to quote the author of Hebrews long ago, at many times, in many ways, God revealed himself to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So, like, God has revealed himself, and we want to approach him as he's revealed himself as much as we can, yeah. as is possible as human beings, which will maybe wrap this up a little bit nicely, put a little bit of a bow on this overall, because, again, there is a sense in which we are not capable of fathoming God fully as he is in himself, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, if you could encapsulate all of who God is fully in his complete divine essence, you have like somehow surpassed God, right? Like (laughs) only God is capable of knowing God fully as he is. Right. However, that doesn't mean we can't know him. He has revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, like, you know, of all like the things he created, his attributes are made known. But strangely enough, like the thing that he's most known in is his word. Uh, He speaks. He is the God who speaks. So how he then speaks about himself and the language and the grammar he gives us to speak about him becomes important. We want to use that language and that grammar Mm -hmm. so as not to be accidentally, you know, worshiping. Something of our own creation. Yeah, something of our own creation. Something that's not actually the one true God existing in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, all that is to say is there is a lot, and I do mean a lot more to talk about here, that we we could spend hours, hours, hours and hours, many days, weeks, months even. (laughs) Talking about, you know, like God's immutability and impassibility and how that can be reconciled with the reality of the incarnation. But for now, you know what? We're going to leave this episode off. Suffice to say that the hypostatic union is what allows us to say things like Jesus in his humanity in some mysterious way was forsaken by God so that we would never have to be forsaken by God. And that can be true and a great comfort to us and something that surely, like if we can get ourselves in a place where we see that prompts adoration and worship to Christ who was willing to do that. Like, that's just amazing. Just amazing. So, hypostatic union, Hmm. one-on-one right there. Just got it all out right there. Quick as a... (laughs) Forget Thomas Aquinas. You don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, of course. Sorry, Thomas Aquinas. I know you probably can't hear me, but, you know... (laughs) (laughs) But thank you as always for listening. If you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you found this content helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, you know, please be great. Yeah. I shouldn't beg. I should just be, hey, it's, um up to you yeah up to you yeah you do just thanks for listening really yeah. i mean that's what we appreciate yeah we do we do we're always glad to be able to share this uh little little bit of the day with you so thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time mm-hmm.